What am I to do? Welcome to Razor Branding Podcast with Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Hi, it's Jackie Russo. I'm the host of Razor Branding Podcast, and I'm so excited about our guest today. Brandon Jornet, DJ Digital, as you probably know him, has been tearing it up in clubs and studios across the country. But before I even bring him on, I want you to know I'm going to have a special co-host today, Simone Onselet. Simone, how are you doing? Good, Jackie. How's it going? Thanks for letting me co-host with you. Well, it only makes sense since you are officially DJ Digital's manager that you be here to A, make sure I don't put him in an awkward position uh, by asking inappropriate questions, as well as keeping him on track with his appropriate answers. So, Didge. I'm excited. Didge, how you doing? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, not too much. How are you? Hey, uh, doing well. It's Monday, but every day kind of feels like the same day lately. So well, is it like, Saturday? Is it Monday? I don't know. They kind of all are the same. So yeah. as is our typical format, I want to start with talking about COVID and how it's affecting you. So what were all of your official job titles before the pandemic started? And then what are they now? So before the uh, before the pandemic, I guess my official job titles, uh, I'd have to say, uh, first and foremost, I am the brand manager of uh, Hot 1079. It's a radio station here, uh, our company, Town Square Media. Um, of course, we have radio stations. We do digital. We do broadcast. Um, you know, we do live events. And uh, my job is officially brand manager of Hot, but I kind of feel like we've become somewhat of a unit over the last few years with multiple radio stations. So I don't know what my official title is, but I feel like it's so much more than that. So maybe I have to talk to my boss and, uh, and kind of maybe reevaluate uh, my position here. But other than that, um, I am a, a disc jockey outside of just being one on the radio. I actually DJ uh, in clubs. It's my personal business, uh, be it events, uh, corporate functions, um, and that's something that I've been doing the longest, actually, for 20 years now. Uh, and then uh, also, uh, I'm in a group, uh, Clandestine Collective. It's pretty much a group of creatives. Sometimes we feel like an agency. Other times we feel like promoters. Uh, but it's it's a lot of creatives. And we've been really community-minded in a lot of the stuff that we've been doing. So I'm a managing partner there as well. So I guess it's a lot of hats, including the one I'm wearing today. <laughs> that is a lot of hats. Yeah. So now that's who you were. Now mm-hmm. we've got this global pandemic that comes in and sort of changes sure. everything for everybody. So which of your jobs have changed the most? I'd have to say my job is just, a, you know, as a DJ, uh, being that it's the job that's actually been the most affected by the mandates. Um, one of the first things to close, I guess, more than anything, not even businesses closing, but gathering was the first thing that we kind of had to outlaw just because of the way that this um, you know, virus spread. So immediately, literally, I think March 14th, I squeezed in a last minute gig uh, when it was like, I think the, the mandate was 200 or less or something. So we barely squeezed that by, I believe it was supposed to be the patty in the park after party, which that event was canceled. So um, it kind of left me stuck with, you know, a lineup of gigs for the next few months that I knew were pretty much canceled. Um, so and that one took the most adjustment. 
Yeah, I just gotten all booked up. And like, especially this year was one of the years where I was like, all right, I'm going to get this together. I'm going to be ahead of myself instead of chasing things. So, you know, I had all these things happening. My wife, like, was on board with me getting like a new vehicle for the LLC. And like, we just got that. And, you know, we were all ready to go. We were gung ho. And then all of a sudden, everything came to like a screeching halt uh, in that regard. On the radio side, not much difference other than I became more of a news person than an entertaining radio person but uh luckily we're still focused on community and local that's something that's a part of the job already but uh, we we became a lot more informative and helpful than you know joking around entertaining um so but definitely the dj job for sure has changed the most just because i really can't dj uh for a gathering of people so it's kind of weird well you thought you couldn't but (laughs) then you started doing some gigs from your house so Talk to us about how all that came to be. You know what, Jackie, to be honest with you, um, you know, being a DJ for 20 years now, my Fridays and Saturdays specifically were usually booked. Those are the most in demand, obviously, nights, days for events and gatherings. So uh, it was something that I just felt the most natural doing because I've had nights off, but uh, after like the second week, you know, I said to myself, I'm just going to hop on and play some music. Um, you know, I've never done it before, but I think it's something that will be cool. I'll just, you know, in my studio, I've got this wall of records again. Thank you to my wife for allowing me to have an entire room in our house dedicated to strictly vinyl. And it was a chance for me to actually start cleaning it up. That's one thing she told me, she's like, you're going to clean that room up with like, cause free time equals a lot of honeydews and chores. And, uh, that being one of them, you know, I kind of just brought up, well, let's just try it and see what happens. Uh, and I got on with the, you know, I guess the intent of just kind of playing some songs and whoever wanted to check it out could. And, uh, man, it turned into something completely different to be honest with you. How have the numbers been compared to what you kind of expected them to be? Uh, just uh, not even close. I was thinking, you know, a couple friends like, you know, you know, would just hop in, say hi, you know, just music lovers. Uh, and it's turned into something completely different. Um, since I started kind of in mid-March uh, up until now, I've garnered basically I've doubled my Facebook likes um, from about 10,000 to almost I think we're approaching 20,000 now. Uh, streams average anywhere from four to six to 700 people, like constantly for three to four hours. Also the time of me doing this initially, I thought I'll hop on for an hour, right. You know, just kind of play whatever. And now like I find myself at three and four hours going, okay, I got to cut this off. Like, um, you know, you got to have more to do later. Otherwise I can go on forever. But can I say uh, what, what my favorite part is the, uh, the comment section and that it feels like, a virtual club and this weekend felt like a real wedding reception and everyone playing along in that me and louise sat on the back porch and laughed for hours and danced. it's it's so great what you have created yeah yeah it's a it's kind of a to be honest with you both it's kind of an animal that i didn't think would show up in the midst of all this it's really helped me get on get on my brand the way that i know i should have been doing it but most people put themselves last, right? Uh, when you wear a lot of hats, your hat kind of gets the least attention. Um, but it, it's been something that's been eye-opening for me more than anything, that it's more than just me getting on and playing music, which at, at the core, that's what I'm still doing. Uh, but it showed me that people were really looking for entertainment. And just like we do at events or anything that we do, it was a place for everyone to gather 
And, uh, and people have been so supportive, not only through tips and, and things like that, but just their words. I get messages that are just, and I've been screenshotting them, the most heartfelt messages from nurses that are working in Arizona that are from here that I'm literally getting them through their shift or uh, someone who's on their patio that had just an impromptu dance party, or maybe it was someone's birthday and they were stuck at home. I had one of those, by the way, uh, during COVID. And um, it, it's just to hear people tell me that I'm literally getting them through some of the toughest times and sometimes just boredom. Um, and, and just to see, like Simone said, the people who are now regulars, that they, they're looking for each other and they know each other by name. And it's it's overwhelming. Jackie, it's humbling. Um, it's so many things. And, and, and I can't, I still can't wrap my head around it all, but it's forced me to kind of come up with new themes and keep it fresh because now it's kind of something that people expect me to do. Um, so I, I've got some plans in the works, I guess. And, and I also think it's something that I'm going to continue to do once things do get back to new normal, which is my favorite new buzzword. Did I missed your birthday. Did we do a big parade? Did people drive by the signs? I mean, Dude, isn't that the thing now? <laughs> I think my birthday, much like much like a lot of things, like I feel like that popped off like a week or two after my birthday. Uh, but it, I love seeing that. Um, there was like, I kind of look at it as COVID phases. Like we had the window phase where people would just like be at the window, like <laughs> visiting their grandfather. Love that. The birthday parades were amazing as well. Uh, I love that. And there's something that I want to do. People have been doing this on Zoom calls a lot. Apparently, people during live broadcasts or concerts or television shows, they all get together on a Zoom call and they basically all consume the same product. I yeah. think Netflix has a feature where you can kind of do the same right. thing. So, you know, I've been kind of brainstorming. I'm doing it now in theory where people are chatting, but how funny would it be if we could actually see each other, you know, during some of the live streams? So that's something we're working on at Clandestine right now um, to kind of you know, bring to the masses. So it, it's forced me to be creative. And honestly, I'm just kind of being guided by what people are telling me and, and seeing what works and the feedback's just been crazy. It is kind of awesome. Um, my youngest turned 16 one week into the shutdown. So wow. there were no parades, there were no drop-off birthday treats, there were no posters. And every time somebody in Acadiana has had a birthday for the past six weeks, I've heard about how I dropped the ball as her mom and not making oh, sure she had a proper celebration. That, and, and, and I think that's, I think to be fair, again, that's, it's really, really blown up in the last two to three weeks. So, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe there can be like a, like a belated birthday parade, but some of them are crazy. Like some of them are like, I'm like, why are things so much better during the coronavirus than they like we almost need to keep the same energy moving forward like i feel like birthday parades shouldn't go away after this right right well yeah. i think that's people you know humans find a way to be their best in times of trouble and i think sure. that's really where this whole show came from was the opportunity to talk to people who were in business and have figured out how to do a pandemic pivot because mm -hmm. it's so hopeful to everyone else who's stuck saying i just watched what i worked for for 20 years collapse around me now yeah. what? Yeah, when I saw when I see things like that, and this isn't a knock on anyone that says that, is you know, you I, to to them, I would say, hey, you've been doing this for twenty years. Clearly, you're doing something right, and you should be able to pivot. Um, Leanne, who's been doing the portraits, right? Those are amazing. Love that. One thing that she told me yesterday, uh, which she did, we did mine, and 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 I don't even think she knows this. But yesterday was like a, it wasn't a tough day for me, but yesterday was the day where like I realized how this pivot affects my life. And like I said, I can't say enough about my wife who's really been supportive, 
because like I still have all the busy stuff that I, I do on a regular basis, but now I've added this new element um, where I used to just throw in my backpack and rush to the gig, play the gig and go home. Now there's like setup time and I've got to create a flyer and I got to make it's sure it's, it's in my home and like, it's kind of taking over her space. So she's been super supportive. And then I throw on yesterday, I was like, Oh, by the way, uh, we're doing this portrait thing. And, and so she's like, well, you need to cut the grass. We got to put the shutters up. She was saying the same. Like I said, the the cat rooms. <laughs> oh, everything's got to be right. So, but we got all that done. And it was really a day where like I did cut the grass and did all the home stuff. Then I rushed to the studio, did the DJ stuff, then rushed back home to get ready for the photos. And, you know, by the time Leanne got there, it was the photos that she got were pretty accurate in the sense of just, I was tired, you know, and, but still kind of making it work. So one thing that she said, which is, you know, kind of my original point was, you know, you could tell who struggled before because the people who have struggled before or maybe started from the ground up, they knew how to go back to that. And, and it's so true. If, and, and, and it doesn't mean you came from money or your parents. I'm just saying, if you've ever had to struggle or find a way, uh, the people that have had to do it before, it wasn't hard for them to go back to that. So I think you're seeing a lot of people that. going back to that, finding a way. And uh, you guys, obviously, I'm proud that you're doing this podcast because honestly, would you be doing this? Otherwise, we'd be no. too busy. I'd be and it kind of goes, it'd, be, it'd go back to the other point where I was saying our hat is the last hat. Well, we'll get to that. It's not necessary right now. We've got X, Y, Z that's more important. So um, to those people that are maybe watching that are kind of wondering what's next or you've got your 20-year business, uh, stick with it. You got here for a reason. So Right. Simone, y'all did a portrait, right? We did. We Why don't you tell everybody over. how that works and kind of what that setup is like? Yeah, so it's, it's super, it's a candid moment for her to come and capture this period in time where we're all back porch sitting. Um, I wanted to do a festival theme because we are a festival family and it was festival Sunday. So I got our flag out. We put a little bit of glitter on our faces and um, Leanne just came over and I, we opened up the windows and we kind of hung out of them. And I sent her on her way with a Pamplona, Pamplona sangria because, <laughs> because festival. So she, uh, we also walked next door and captured one with my in-laws because they're part of our quarantine as well. But I think uh, everyone is loving to seeing each family. Oh, I love that family. Oh, this is such a, this is who they are. You know, I did see Brandon's last night and you working late at night, you know, and I know how hard you work. So I thought it was such a good portraits right. of what y'all do what you do with natalie yeah it was uh it, it was cool I, it was, I didn't realize it was her first night shot and she had a really good idea you know uh simone gave her sangria from pamplona and i made her walk through my yard in the dark <laughs> so that was interesting there's kind of two worlds but uh but she's but she's hustling and you know it's really cool to see you know again what she's doing and what so many people are doing um, and I told her, like, you need you need to do something with this. Like, this definitely needs to be a book or something that people can actually buy because those have been so amazing for me to see because every one of them comes with a different story. And uh, and seeing people's families and just kind of the way that they're getting through this, it's really, she's capturing, I feel, the true essence of, like, whether it's boredom or just kind of, you know, people waiting, people getting through it. Some people, you can tell they're just exhausted. And, uh, you know, she's doing really good work. To me, it's the pictures that I see with the distance because, you know, she's standing on the driveway, on the street, on the whatever, and they're in the yeah. house or on the porch. And so you see that distance we don't usually see in pictures. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's really communicating a lot to me about what we're all going through right now because everybody yeah. feels distant in some way. Yeah. And we'll always have these pictures to look back on, you know, forever. That that time we were all stuck at home. Yeah, no, it's and they're, and they're great pictures. My wife loves pictures. She had gone to bed and like I finally I, I went to bed late last night and like I just casually mentioned she was in a dead sleep. I was like, oh, you know, Leanne sent the pictures and like she popped up immediately like to go through it. So like for people who people got really good photos with their families, like and I feel like captured in a really, you know, a really authentic um, you know, it, it was, I think it may have been Satari, um, and John's photos. I think their kids were like running across the yard and like, it. she caught them like in motion. So, you know, it, it was really great, but you, Jackie, the, the distance that you mentioned, it is true. It's showing the distance. And what's crazy is, you know, yesterday, I think a lot of people saw the video of the line at pops, right? Because people were getting the, anything in a bowl. It, it showed me two things. One, that Clearly, we really missed festival. And, and two, how critical I think we're going to become when it comes to like proximity moving forward as a society. And we're going to judge from our laptops and our, the safety of our homes. But, um, you know, even though some people were distanced, people called it cra- like we looked at that as crazy, like a lot like this is crazy. And uh, especially if it's something that we don't understand or like, I feel like you're going to see a lot of a lot of people calling each other crazy if if they're in line or doing something that we kind of de- depict as non-essential. Uh, and if they so, don't have face masks. That's yeah, I, I, think, I, I think we're, and, and it's, it's fair, but I think as we do get some news later today, we're going to see what businesses open up. You're going to see internet judging and, and I'm ready for it. And I get it uh, because some people's idea of distancing is different than others. And same, the same thing goes with like safety and protocol and all that. So it, it's kind of a sign of what's to come, I think. But if that's what, opening up means then safely let's get it done right well and i think part of it and to your point is if somebody says everybody has to wear a mask you'll see everybody wear masks but it's been vague and so i think when the directions are vague people are interpreting it in their own ways and that's where Mm -hmm. a lot of that judgment comes from um we've talked a little bit off camera about the um haircut situation and i see you wearing a hat today is that because you're not high and tight right now I mean, my hair is like super long. Look at that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a lot. So, it's a yeah. lot. It's a lot. Yeah, I, I, that's been the sign of like, like it's been so funny because like the inside joke amongst like friends is you could look at someone's hair and tell like, are you like, come on, man, it's been a month. There's no way your hair is like this neat. And, you know, sometimes like, oh, no, no, you know, uh, my, my, my wife or my brother or someone, you know, family member gave me a haircut. So uh, it, it's funny to think about that as like being an idea of something that people would get like, like contraband, you know, like, where'd you get that haircut from? Like, you know, it's like the things we do in the the dark. Yeah. Like, you know, proper grooming is now like contraband. Like, Oh, he's a bad boy. Look at, look at his edges. You know, you know, clearly he's looking too good in that. Yeah. So I've never paid so much attention to roots before. So Mm -hmm. there you go. Yeah. You can pay attention to ours (laughs) because let me tell you, I'm not getting any backyard dues right now. As a matter of fact, this show would be much more professional if we had some hair and makeup stylists, but Unfortunately, you get us as we are on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, so I want to kind of go back to the beginning. How did you get your start? Like, where? when was the day you woke up and said, I'm going to be a disc jockey? Uh, so I was a music lover um, all my life. I know that sounds super vague, but to be more detailed about it, I, had, I have a sister, an older sister. She's seven years older than me. So imagine me at seven listening to the same music that my 14-year-old sister and her boyfriends are listening to. So 
uh, it was 1988 and two live crew. Oh, yeah. Groups like that. Yeah. I was listening to a lot of music as music was really taking off. Prince. I mean, I was exposed to so much, not to mention my family members uh, during family events. I have an uncle who's got the most like eclectic taste in music from like Najee. He, he liked jazz and like, so like I've got all this music plus whatever was on in mom's minivan, right? Like all the soft rock or like adult hits. My dad loved R&B, a lot of Motown, uh, Hall & Oates, a lot of yacht rock stuff like that. And then the stuff I was into, you know, which is probably the like tip of the iceberg, corny pop music. Uh, so, you know, the 90s were really, really huge, I think, for, for music at least, and just kind of how hip hop was coming of age and so i had all this music around me i've always loved it um collected it um kind of got into the um you know wanting to dj because i was always a creator uh played football in high school but i was also on speech squad like all four years to My speech people. and drama and like but i can never do the the competitions because i always had like half the year where i was doing this but um shout out to sandra broussard uh or miss laborde Right. At Como High School, because I was around these creatives for four years. I took it as an elective for four years. So when you're around creatives, anything that you like, you want to be creative with it. So I was always into the idea of creating. Uh, we had a TV show on AOC called Dead Air, which is kind of like a knockoff Tom Green show. So I got into production that way. And through there, ended up kind of getting into music production. Uh, hello, Ed Bowie, if you're watching. Thank you for putting up with Young Me. Uh, but it, it really kind of sparked from there, wanting to create uh, and then kind of transitioning from video production, which was very expensive back in the day, uh, to getting into audio production and then just into DJing. And I fell in love with it right away. Um, eventually dropped out of school to pursue traveling across the country. My parents thought I was crazy. Uh, my parents thought when I told them I was going to do, like, they thought I was dropping out of college to DJ weddings. Like, that's what they thought. Like, is it, you know, that's what they know, you know? So uh, that was fun. And uh, I just kind of stuck with it and just poured, poured everything into it. And, uh, and then and the rest is history, I guess. Right. Right. So when you think back on those years and it sounds like your sister is uh, listening and said, uh, who knew my bad music I listened to behind mom's back would help your career start. So, oh, wow. yeah. Right. So when, That's you my think, sister. when you think back to those early days and her influence, I mean, were you listening to the stuff that was banned? Was it NWA? Were the things nobody's supposed to be listening to? And your seven-year-old mind was taking all that in? I, I definitely remember, I think one of the times that we got in trouble is I put her two live crew tape in the back of my Teddy Ruxpin. I don't know if you guys remember Teddy yes. Ruxpin, but it was the doll that like you put the, the tape in its back and then like it would tell the stories as like just very creepy, like, and instead of the stories, my Teddy Ruxpin uh, was playing me so horny. I don't know if that's bad content for this live podcast, but so that, I mean, that is, a, that is a true story. I also had a Big Bird uh, turntable. I don't know if you remember the yellow one. It opened mm -hmm. up and I had that. I had a lot of 45s too. So um, I, I tell people often I'm part of the Oregon Trail generation, which I'm right in between Gen X and millennial. So like I basically grew up analog everything recording off of the radio but then i also kind of like you know jumped into the computer world and and digital so i'm that person who tells kids that they have no idea how good they have it but i can't let go of my cell phone so um so that was you know i've been surrounded by that type of media forever but um it, it's it's crazy to think about when i look back on the music as i find out more about it now like wait i was listening to this and like oh this is the year that came out 
because you had no sense of time. Like songs would be hot for three or four years and you really wouldn't know like, when did this come out? We, we didn't have access to the information. We just knew what we liked. Right. How much do you think having access to iTunes, for example, has changed people's relationship with the radio? So I'm not calling you and requesting something in the mm -hmm. breakfast jam because I can just go get it from iTunes whenever I want. Yeah. Uh, so that's very interesting. I'm glad you brought it up. So like it, it's kind of a double edged sword. And I remember like at the beginning of all this, like how hard record labels and people with publishing kind of fought the idea. But now it's like, again, they pivoted. Right. They had to figure out a way to make it work to where they can still be profitable. The thing that gets me with that is like, I think record labels were just making so much money. They just had to adjust to making a lot of money instead. Um, but I think what it does is it almost exposes people to more music. So if you're a DJ or a radio station, people are more connected with music than ever. So they're not really, even if they're not waiting on you to tell them what's new, tell them what's cool. Um, they're so in tune with the music. The minute you play a song, there's an instant connection. If Drake drops a song today, by tomorrow, streams are going to be out of control. And if we play that, there's an instant connection with a listener. So, you know, where you could say that we don't necessarily own that break the new music, you know, title uh, in radio. I think it's just a different way that we connect. And like, it allows us to almost curate, um, you know, a, a feeling or a genre or a format based on what we know people like to consume. So um, for the Breakfast Jam, interesting you brought that up. The reason I think why that's so popular is so much of that music was obscure that those artists never made it to like the digital realm. Like those records died with the analog world of tangible media. So a lot of those like one hit wonders, you can't find them on Amazon. You can't find them, you know, on Spotify or on, on um, Apple music or anything. So that actually makes that, that I guess it's somewhat of a genre now, uh, very eclectic because we're putting those things together. And a lot of those songs you just you can't find. So do you still have people who need to record it on Friday morning? Like, do you have to think, don't talk at the beginning of this because somebody might be pressing record. I, I, if there is someone out there recording with a tape, like call me up because we'll probably be friends. Like if you're that person, I'll probably love you. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if anyone's doing it. Um, but in this new world of Twitch, I think a lot of people are going to go. People do ask us all the time. Can you guys upload the breakfast jam? Because we want to listen to it on demand. And I'm like, then you wouldn't tune in on Friday morning. Right. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to keep that as exclusive as possible. But I think in this new world, uh, Jackie, I got to be honest, like I'm going to start implementing a lot of these things that I'm doing on my personal, you know, pages. You know, I've asked myself, man, why haven't we done this with this whole morning show that we've done? So uh, it's something Chris is doing, too. So I think now that he's a lot more comfortable in camera, it'll be a lot easier to pull him along. And go like, hey, dude, we're going to have live cameras just running nonstop in the studio. Right. Um, so, uh, well, I, I think, think about what like Howard Stern has done or Joe Rogan yeah. and that's what yep. they're doing. They're recording live 100%. as they're recording. And so, you know, to me, that's where we're headed. And this is just the catalyst to make you have to adapt. Yeah. You know, it's funny. The people who have been doing this forever are so mad at people like us right now because they've been, you know, I've had a podcast for 10 years now. And like now all of a sudden everyone has a podcast and some DJs who've been just kind of live streaming. Now that all like Jazzy, Jazzy Jeff is like my DJ idol, right? Sure. Um, I don't get to see. Hey, Dig, I lost your audio for a second. Is it possible that your AirPods died?
Don't worry, man. We've done this show six times now, and we've had a technical difficulty every time. That's the beauty of doing it live. Um, so I'm going to just talk for a little bit while you get your new headset set up. One of the things that I've noticed about this adaptation that we're all having to go through, what we've been calling the pandemic pivot, is this podcast. So this podcast has been audio only for two years, and we've had about 6,000 downloads. And now in two weeks, we've had more than that watching it live than we did recording, than listening originally to just the audio only. So you talk about giving you opportunities. Are you back now? Yeah, yeah. Yay! Yeah. Yes, perfectly. That's so, so cool about being a DJ is I literally have headphones like everywhere. So <laughs> I've got a backup for the backup for the backup. So there you go. <laughs> so what were you saying when your mic went down? Because I couldn't hear you. Oh, when my mic went down, I think I was talking about we're talking DJ about da- Jazzy Jeff. Jazzy Jeff has been on, and I've been, you know, I'm I'm over here like fanning out, like I'm watching him, and I'm like, again on a different scale. Is this what people? Is this what people think about me? Is like we hear him, we see the flyers that he posts, but I'm not going to Night Town. You know, I'm not going to Tsunami Baton Rouge on the roof. I'm not driving an hour out of the way. I got kids, you know, or or I'm not going out there. I'm tired, and 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 I realized. Hey, dude, you garnered all these followings and you're really not in like other than a mix every few months. Like, what are you giving these people? Um, You know what? The opportunity to come out and see me play. Okay, cool. But, um, you know, it's like delivering that content. I said to myself, is this how other people feel? Because they can actually watch me play or they can hear that music or if they just enjoy mixes, putting me on in the background. And and that really kind of brought it full circle. But I've been I've been just as excited to watch other people. Mark Broussard. I don't know if you've seen yes. him and I kind of been buddies over the last weeks because we've been figuring this out together. Like, and you know, what did you get to get that camera shot? He's like, oh, dude. He's like, I feel like I'm more of a, you know, Mark's raspy voice, my good Mark impression. <laughs> oh, dude, I feel like oh, I'm, I'm more of a producer now than a musician, you know? But again, it's that pivot. And Mark's another guy. Um, I remember when he was getting signed, he brought something to me at After Hours Club I was playing at. And he goes, I met with Island, right? And they have Def Jam. And he goes, they gave me this. And it was the first iPod that was about to come out. It was loaded with their entire catalog. And like, that's Mark Broussard's story. But Mark has been, I remember when he was grinding and kind of getting it started. And again, people who have struggled, they find a way. But his production is amazing. He's made an investment. And um, and I think people like me, I get to see Mark perform and play and, you know, I don't get to see it as often as, as one might think because he's, he's never really playing around here. So um, I'm kind of enjoying it. And I'm hoping that a lot of artists and people get creative and, and do maybe distribute more content this way for people to consume. Right. I think it was the second or third week. Um, Indigo Girls, who's a longtime favorite of mine, had mm-hmm. one of those living room acoustic sessions uh, live on Facebook. And there were about 56,000 of us all watching it together. And I thought, you know, I've, been, I've seen them in concert 10 or 15 times, never with more than about 5,000 people. So yeah. what an opportunity for them to get so many more fans together in one time in different places. Yeah, it's really fascinating to think about it because that's what someone kind of brought up to me. It's like, hey, man, you have 700 people in here right now. Like, if you think about it, that imagine that those people like come into a place just to see you do your thing. Not, they're not there because they just left Tsunami and they wanted to go dance. They're not there because a friend is bartending. They're not there because it's where they go. And, and, you know, it kind of, it really opened my eyes to like opportunity. And again, how many people are just kind of sitting by 
doing their regular whatever. And I'm just, you know, you're not serving that client or that customer or that potential customer. And I think it goes so much, it goes so far beyond just DJing. I think the same goes for what you guys do. Um, you know, how many potential clients are you missing out on because you're not doing a podcast, you know? Um, even if it's, I, I, I said the coolest bartender in town, bartenders can't work, but I guarantee if a bartender would get on Facebook live and make a drink every Friday or Saturday and like go along and do it with them, uh, people would probably tip them. And like, it would be amazing because they would be showing them how to make drinks. And, uh, I challenged, uh, Chris Reed, his wife has a piece of cake. And I was like, you got, she should do a cake from like start to finish while you DJ in the background. Yes. Like, how funny would that be? It'd be hilarious, you know? Um, so funny ideas like that. I think like engaging things like that, like it doesn't matter what your business is. Someone probably could have made a killing if they got on and like did videos on how to do home haircuts, maybe. Oh, <laughs> you know? big time. Yeah. Well, Brandon, what? can I tell you what my favorite part is about you live streaming? Go ahead. Because I know how you're, you have this eclectic taste in music mm-hmm. and that you can go from wedding reception to a clandestine event to mm-hmm. tsunami rooftop festival after party show i think it's really great that you have this captive audience watching you all of these requests come in and you're mm-hmm. making it work watching you scratch and just they're getting a whole new appreciation yeah. for djs in general not just you yeah i think i think that's one thing that'll come out of this is whether it's artists musicians people are kind of seeing like that's one thing that i've definitely done a lot more of is like my range uh which it is eclectic and most for the most part people do want to hear surprise the same songs over and over again uh but you know one thing that i will do and i'm glad you brought that up simone is like i i kind of dedicated sundays and i did my first one yesterday where i'm gonna play the stuff that like i really like i'm gonna play the stuff off of that wall behind me the records that have like kind of moved me over time, those records that I put in my Teddy Ruxpin, you know, as a kid and, uh, and the songs that mean a lot to me, like Jackie, you brought up Indigo Girls, like everyone's got like their group or their band that they just love everything about. But uh, it was cool to have a smaller audience that w- was way more into the music and the eclectic nature of everything. So uh, that is one thing. I'm glad you brought that up, Simone, that I think a lot of people have commented on is like, Dude, you haven't played the same thing twice and you've played for weeks now. Um, they're fascinated by the, I guess, the amount of music, but uh, it's been, that's been one of the fun parts about this, I guess. What's the craziest request you've ever gotten? Craziest request I've ever gotten is usually the song that I just played. <laughs> Sometimes people <laughs> request the song. Like I've literally had someone come up to me and like, thank God everything's digital now. He's like, it's on a laptop and like, Hey, can you play this? And I'm like, it's, it's, it's on right now. You know, uh, craziest request. I'll tell you this so far during, during, and I'll go during the COVID times. It's the people that literally offer an enormous amount of money in a tip to hear this really obscure record. But I'm like, that record has to mean something to them. And it's actually led me to discover a few pretty cool songs. A Prince song that I, did, I, I realized I didn't even have. Uh, someone really wanted to hear it. And it just shows you the power of music. You know, for me, playing that song for two minutes for them, um, you know, you know, meant so much to them. So uh, that's probably been the craziest request thus far, because, you know, it, it really shows me just how much music can move people and, and how much doing these live streams can actually make a difference uh, for people that are kind of sitting at home with nothing to do. What's one of the biggest fails, like equipment failure, music mm-hmm. failure, like you've gotten to the gig and yeah. oh crap. <laughs> Oh man, it's the simplest, but like it is, it is literally like 
the 100% death penalty of DJing is showing up to the gig and forgetting your laptop charger. No. I've, I've rolled up. I've rolled up out of town, New Orleans. Like New Orleans is kind of a second home to me. Um, and I've rolled up, had everything, backpack, laptop, mixer, got everything. And that's the one thing that, and, and the reason why is like, because the gig can start, but you literally have as much time as that battery says. And once that's done, it's done. So like you've started the night and normally it's like when you start the night, you're there and the music's going, you're like, you know, where's my charger? Like I'm, I'm in my backpack and I'm like, you know, doing this and looking for a charger and the, the laptop charger in, in this day and age is definitely the, it's 100% the death penalty. So I'm texting friends, like, does anyone have a lap, like a laptop charger? And then Apple of course has like nine proprietary chargers now, whether it's like this generation or that generation. So um, you, you, you want to hope that someone's got a charger, maybe another DJ downtown or something like that who can run it to you. And uh, I've paid way too much money for people uh, to let me use a charger. And then <laughs> I have to go buy a new charger. Um, also they're frail. I don't know if you guys are Apple mm -hmm. users. So like once that, like I've, I've had the charger before and plugged it in and thought it was charging. And then like come midnight, I see my laptop dim and I'm like, I thought I was, Oh my God. And I look down and I see this frayed, uh, you know, cord and you just literally, you freak out because it's like watching sand in an hourglass, like just kind of fall. And you know, that at a certain point, you've got a thousand people in front of you. You got a promoter over I, here, and oh my I god! I thought um, I thought you were going to tell the story of whenever you were in New Orleans, and the wind blew all your records in the street. I got I got so many stories. Like, how long do you guys? How long is this podcast? I got as long serious, as you want. I got Holy some cow. serious. I got some good fails. Uh, that is a good one. Uh, I love that story. <laughs> well, everyone, every if you've been in New Orleans, you know what I'm talking about. In in front of Harris, it was uh, an event that was set up. It was it had to be Mardi Gras because that's when I just remember barricades. And it's someone I think Red Bull or someone set up in front of Harris. And if you've ever been on Canal or Poitras, especially down near the Hilton near Harris, you know what the wind is like coming off of the river. So just imagine me set up. I've got my turntables on the, you know, on. I've got my records on the turntables. And just this massive dust <laughs> of wind picks up one of, the, one of the records off of the turntable. And I literally watch almost like a cartoon. And I'm on this stage. I watch the record fly through the air like a Frisbee, hit the ground, and literally just roll down canal. And it was just like. Very good. That yeah. makes my heart sad. But I had to figure it out. And like, I ended up playing on one turntable, like using doubles. Like I would mix to one side and switch it to like the automated side. And oh my God, uh, I could tell you about walking through the quarter uh, in freezing cold temperatures, carrying two 50 pound turntables uh, because I didn't get through the barricades fast enough. Um, it's just so many Simone, different Simone, were you hoping he was going to talk about Rob Kirkpatrick dropping some nachos at a VIP <laughs> Saints event? That's what I was hoping for. <laughs> I wasn't gonna do that to Rob, but since we're there, I mean, oh, it's happening. Oh. Yeah, best time ever. Best time ever. I've had so some friends embarrass me, like people that were on my guest list end up doing something like that, and like people looking over at me, like who brought this person in here, and I'm just like, 
I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know who that guy is, but uh, I think you were. I think you may have been there when he dropped those nachos. Oh, I was. I was yeah. walking up as he did it. He probably and saw around everybody him. around him go like this and distance themselves. You talk about six foot social distancing. Yeah. It was Rob's nachos are on the ground. We don't know him. <laughs> definitely more of a we, made up, we made up a dance to it. Yeah. Definitely more of a Rob fail. And that was the first day he wore uh, the Canadian tuxedo. He was wearing denim on denim. <laughs> so he really stuck out as the guy with the denim on denim. Who spilled his nachos. Yeah, that was, I'll never forget that. That was, that was good. Those were good times. Those were very good times. Um, so, Simone, what are some of the craziest requests that people have asked for when you've been talking to somebody about booking DJ Digital? Yeah, I think that one of the greater ones that I've gotten is, hey, can you come to my house? And play a silent disco uh, for me and uh, 10 people. So uh, it's like, well, you know. Are they going to fly you there on the private jet? And they've got some crazy, (laughs) like, international money, maybe? I'm like, we could send you a playlist, give you some headphones, and you guys just be like this all night with each other. You you know, Um, those, those sound crazy, Simone, until they actually pan out and end up being a very lucrative opportunity. So I've kind of learned <laughs> that, like, well, I, hold on, I say that, but, like, I've done some things like that that ended up turning into, like, you don't know who what 10 people are going to be there. And it's it's really crazy to think of, like, some of the bigger gigs that I have. Like, I've, you know, working with the company Giovanni, which, by the way, I didn't know what Giovanni was. Uh, obviously, I'm not in the evening gown or ball dress market. Um, but I think it's when Trump had Miss USA. Mm-hmm. Was that the pageant that he had? Mm-hmm. But do you remember when it was in Baton Rouge? Mm-hmm. So... I was playing the after party for that. And the same friend who booked me for that was like, Hey, this promoter is wondering if, you know, they've got a big sponsor that needs a DJ for a runway show, Giovanni. And I'm like, what is this fly by night sounding thing? Like I'm looking it up. I'm like, this looks like some sort of ordered on wish type thing. Um, So I I ended up doing it. And then, you know, it then I ended up doing the after party and like this guy is dancing with all like the Miss Teen USA girls on this runway and this he comes up to me and he's like you're the greatest dj i've ever seen in my life i want you to play all of my events i own this company and i'm i'm still thinking it's a fly-by-night company at the time by the way so i'm like yeah man whatever just hit me up you know and i left it at that and like three weeks later i get a random call from someone who's like um um abraham is my boss he owns giovanni he you know she tracked me down and it turned out to be one of the coolest partnerships that I've ever actually uh, made. And it's a company that I work with a few times a year. And uh, it's, again, I would have never thought that that man who was sweating and dancing with team USA winners, um, it's maybe not a silent disco for 10 people, but pretty, pretty. I can uh, explore it if you want me to, who knows? You're right. Who's going to be in that house? Yeah. You never know. Now, is Giovanni one of the events that had to be canceled yeah. when everything shut down? Yeah. And that was that was a big blow because what what and, and, and I know there are some people that are watching that can relate. It's the big contracts, Jackie, that when just in a like one swoop, they're done and they're in New York. So I knew even though we were very and, and in the South, we can be this way. We're very like, wait a minute. Hold on. Before we make any crazy decisions, let's really look at this thing. I mean, I knew when I found out it was gone, like completely, they were already on home, like lockdown for like a week or so in New York. And I just kept in the back of my mind, I was like, I know this is going to cancel because the gig was in Atlanta um, and they're based in New York. So I was like, their their whole perspective of this is 
way different than ours, you know, just right. because of the cases and just how much it was affecting them. And, you know, they said it would just, it would just be really responsible. And they were right. You know, by the time it rolled around, it was supposed to be like last week of March uh, into the first week of April. And, you know, that was a gut punch because it was, a, it was just a lot of that, like that revenue, when that huge chunk goes away, those are the ones that hurt the most because, you know, you're kind of counting on that when you plan out as any business does, you've got certain clients and accounts and, you know, you know, that you count on because you know what your budgets are. And, um, you know, three of those can close a business losing those contracts. And, uh, right. you know, I've got a few friends who are really questioning, are they going to continue, you know, in the same path just because there's so much uncertainty. So, uh, that is definitely one of the gigs. Um, hopefully late summer, I won't lose that one either, but we'll see. I think everything's just kind of up in the air right now. But you're talking about people who I know personally who have lost five, six, seven figure events, projects, contracts because of all this. That's hard to recover from for a business that counted on that money. Well, specifically, uh, just, you know, piggybacking on what you said, especially if it's something that can't be made up. And what I do is very time sensitive. So, you know, people have said that, you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news for my DJ friends or event friends or people in that. In the, and I don't call it the event industry anymore. Clearly, we're in the gathering business mm-hmm. because if people can't gather, we're not working. Right. Um, those dates, if someone makes up a wedding, I was supposed to do one Saturday. Well, if she makes that up, it's amazing. I could be like, oh, I didn't lose it. But yes, I did because time is money. And as that timeline moves, I can't make up a Saturday because the Saturday I schedule hers on is a Saturday that I would have made, you know, you know, money doing something else or signed a contract for something else, or maybe just even going on vacation, you know, things like that. You know, you don't get that time back. So um, you're right. People that have lost those contracts, especially if it's time sensitive, it's hard to recoup that money. Right. Well, I think about that, like with the people who are cutting hair. Um, sure, I'm due for an appointment, as we all are, yeah. but they're not going to get two out of me in May. Nope. So the one I would have had in March and the one I need to have in May, March is gone and it's not coming back. Yeah. I feel like that's the most like and, and, and I know this is so unofficial, so please don't hold me to my word. I truly feel like that industry is the industry that has been I don't want to say forgotten in all this, because the re- the way the reason I say forgotten is because you've seen fundraisers and things and like, you know, and, and it's so great that people are doing it. I'm not knocking any fundraisers. I think our people on the front lines in the medical field, I think our restaurant people, service, all these people are great, but I'm looking at these people that like have no way to go live on Facebook. There's no way for them to recoup and they're literally shut down by law and you can't make that up at all. And um, I, I really think about them you know, just kind of being forced to like stay at home and, and uh, in the beauty industry, but more so than anything, I say it because it's something that every single person can relate to. If you get a haircut, if you, which everyone gets their haircut, hopefully, uh, you know, and then you go down from there, if you get your nails done, you know, if you go to, you know, you know, if you got this bomb skin regimen that you have, but like haircuts, everybody gets a haircut. And I think that's the one thing that we can all relate to almost as just as much as music. Um, you know, if a restaurant can't open, everyone doesn't go to that restaurant per se, but everyone gets a haircut. So, um, like I said, when you talk about roots or maybe your gray showing, it's something that everyone can relate to. And you've got this entire industry and they're just they're just tapping their feet, just right. waiting to get back to work. So hopefully we hear something later today that will actually help them out. And I think I think we will. Well, and I'm amazed by the people who haven't taken the opportunity to pivot. You know, every movie theater has got these great big parking lots 
why aren't they doing drive-in theaters in their parking mm-hmm. lots? I have a, I have a, I have a theory, and I think, I, and, and tell me what you guys think, because I'm actually curious. So one thing that we thought about doing, um, you know, uh, I, I spoke with Anita, and we were supposed to do, um, I was looking for different locations. I'm like, man, how cool would it be with uh, downtown and th- their fundraising efforts, and then also, you know, with the DTAs being canceled? Hey, what if I actually did one of my streams? We kind of explored doing it from maybe like Park International or a place where we can get secure Wi-Fi to just have, you know, different backdrops, just kind of remind people of those places. And, you know, we wanted to make sure we did it. We didn't have a situation where we had a good idea that ended up, you know, there's always going to be one person. We wanted to make sure there'd be no backlash. Like, you know, we didn't want to make sure that people didn't think that they can come to Park International because people kind of take things like they hear the message that they want to hear. So those are all things that we had to think about before we did something like that. And, you know, ultimately we decided the timing wasn't right for it. And, and maybe we'll get to that once things kind of start to reopen. But I had that idea as well. Like what a great opportunity to almost like a silent disco. Right. You could do headphones, make, but uh, people said that people would get out of cars. And like, I was like, man, so we're going to shoot down an amazing idea because, and I think it's safe and it's fair, but like, I feel like people would be so happy to be doing something like that. They would not get out of their cars. They would be on it. Like, think about your kids. Like, hey, if you guys do this, we're going to, you know, Disney World. They're going to do exactly that for way less than Disney World. Like, they will do everything. And, like, they'll be the most behaved children to get what they want. I think people would behave. Uh, but that's one thing that I thought about. How cool if I did a silent disco. And instead of the headphones being on people in the, you know, crowd where they can choose with DJs you can drive up in a huge parking lot. What an amazing opportunity to, to play live for like a, a limited amount of people that can come out and enjoy that. So I think Jackie, we're going to get to that once it's a little safer where we maybe can't congregate, but it is still safe. Like right. if a movie theater says, Oh, uh, we, we, a thousand people can be in here. So now we can do 20%. Like you really think they're going to open the whole theater for that. And like, people are still going to be iffy about going like onto other seats where people have sat, but if you can do it in a car, type setting where it isn't bad if they would get out but we would encourage people to stay in their cars i think maybe then we'll see that idea kind of um come to fruition i hope so and uh, and i'm gonna try something i don't know what i'm gonna do but once it's a lot more lax i think there's gonna be opportunity to find that middle ground because i think bars and nightclubs and event spaces ballrooms i think that's last on the list it's the most non-essential thing in the wide scope of things um I've seen in other markets that bars and nightclubs are kind of, they're really low on the, 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 the list as, as far as when the phases of getting things reopened. So um, I, I think we get creative. Dangerous. I know I'm dangerous I, because so many people gather. I'm definitely going to Russo for sure. Like when I do, when the, when it's time for the idea to, to come to fruition, like clandestine, you know, me and the guys talk a lot. We've got a million ideas in the can and hopefully one of them can stick to the wall. And that's one thing that we definitely have uh, planned, especially for other artists who find it hard to stream or get their message out. You know, we've got a lot of cool ideas. And um, that is, I think that's one that we got to do, like movies in the park, you know, but we do it in a different way. Yeah. In your car. It's still safe in your car. So how would you like to be remembered? Oh, man. As somebody who gave more than he took. That's an easy one. For that's me. a good one. What do yeah. you say to yourself when you're in doubt? Uh, trust the process. Ooh. What advice would you like to give to this year's graduates? If you got through this, you can get through anything. Oh, Ditch, I love that. Uh, what gives you hope? Recently, uh, the showing of humanity, honestly, in the wake of all of this. 
Man, you're deep. I'm loving this. What historical event would you most like to have attended? Oh, man, this is good. I want to make sure I say the right thing. Historical event. Oh, man, you know, everybody talks about Prince playing at the plaza. Right? And I know, and I know there's way bigger historical events, but if That's I want a big to one. local, there's that or uh, apparently strawberries in the 90s, somebody snatched two box chain off. Yes, of strawberries. So, I mean, I, I'm going to go ridiculous on that, but like the Prince playing at the Plaza story, we actually did a full like tongue in cheek behind the music thing with it. it. Ended up being one of the biggest pieces of content we've ever done. But <laughs> I would, in Lafayette history, I would love to have been at the Prince concert at the Plaza. That's a big one. I think so. I would agree. Uh, what's the yeah. best mistake you ever made? Dropping out of uh, college to pursue this wild dream of like traveling the country and playing Dude. music. Absolutely, because yeah. it got you to where you are right now. What's Funny your story with that before yeah. you move on. Okay. I was in school for mass comm radio and TV broadcast. <laughs> it worked out. I mean, you're still using some of those same skills. I probably learned more doing what I was doing. And, and that's one thing I could tell everybody in 2020. Whatever you choose to do, do it and stick with it. Because if you're in school, don't sit around at mom's house. Jump into something right now and, uh, and and stick with it. Um, it was it was an ama- it was just amazing to learn that way and uh, and it got me into radio, which which is what I was going to school for in the first place. So, and you're here now. And here What's I your am. pettiest pet peeve? Oh my god! Oh man, I got and this is you're hitting all my fortes because I have some terrible like petty uh, pet peeves. Oh man, what's the mo- like? I want to go super petty for this one. Yeah. Uh, Pettiest pet peeve. Oh, here we go. This is this is so judgmental. And it started with my little brother. He I would come in, I would come inside from like either football practice or playing, and he would be at home in jeans with no socks, but the jeans were longer. You know, boot cut jeans are oh, longer yeah. and they go. And he and I, just the sound of him in barefoot, like I, I, it's the pettiest thing in the world. And when I see people do it today, when I hear jeans dragging on the ground because they're too long, it's like, oh my, that's it. That's like nails on a chalkboard. Pretty, pretty much. That's I can get really petty, Jackie. Like I, I got the, I the silliest pet peeves that are they mean nothing. James, that's awesome. Okay, we're gonna move into um, the lightning round questions that I always ask, and then Simone has her own special set of lightning oh, wow. round questions just for you. So I'll go first. Uh, favorite place on earth? <sighs> this is a lightning round, man. It's the first thing that pops I in know. Your head. I just, uh, I mean, favorite place on earth, I, South Beach. Uh, there like, you go. Okay. Specifically the W in South Beach. Oh. I just, I, okay, I love that's, it. That's pretty yeah. big time. Yeah. Um, movie you can't turn off. The dumbest movie ever. Uh, so Danny McBride did this movie called The Foot Fist Way. It never got released. And it was directed, I think, by Adam McKay and Will Ferrell. They ended up, like, putting it out. It's terrible, but, like, I, wa- I watch it every time. Uh, and I only have it on DVD, so i got to find it. That's awesome. Uh, favorite TV show to binge? <sighs> I don't – this is going to sound crazy. I don't watch a ton of TV at all. Uh, but the one that I have binged – I. The last show that I binged was probably Breaking Bad, so I'd have to say Breaking Bad. That's a good answer. I, I think. Favorite book? Oh, man. Favorite book? You know, a book that my former GM gave me, Mike Grimsley. I go back to it all the time, and it was Who Moved My Cheese? Yeah. And it's just, 
I feel like today is a great day for who moved my cheese. Well, we've all and had our cheese moved. <laughs> thank you, Mike Grimsley, for teaching me what to do when my cheese right. moved. Uh, favorite podcast? I would say this one. Oh, nice. Um, no, yeah. well, let's just go with that. Um, <laughs> favorite concert that you attended? Oh, The Roots, House of Blues, uh, very intimate show. It was probably 2000, like 2007 or something. Questlove and The Roots, uh, the, the stage opened up and you hear them playing instruments and they, you didn't see them. You're like, where are they? And uh, they actually came down second line style. The whole band were wirelessly mic'd up and tuba, Quest playing drums. That, like honor new orleans the roots came down from the balcony down the stairs through the crowd second line sound starting to set that way that and frank ocean's first ever concert was at house of blues limited crowd no one knew who he was yet just him a microphone a white shirt and a bandana it was uh that, those are those those two stick out those are good Hands favorite down. car my 1999 Honda Prelude. Oh my God. I've been trying to find it. And like, I got the green light from my wife to buy it. And I ended up getting another car, but that is my favorite car of all time. Look it up. 1999 Honda Prelude. They were amazing. All right. This one's going to be tough for you, but favorite musician. Oh, (laughs) Quincy Jones. Okay. Favorite song. Not by him, by anybody. Favorite song. In by anybody. Oh, man. You see, I, this is tough for me, and I feel like I, I should get a little more time. Uh, man, favorite song. Oh, my God. That's hard. I, I, it's, it, I, I'm thinking of a million of them uh, right now. I'm going to assume it's the Cupid Shuffle. Uh, favorite sport. <laughs> Football, for sure. Who that? Of course. Yeah. Uh, favorite meal. Oh, man. Uh my mom used to make meatloaf with mashed potatoes and corn, and I would just kind of, I didn't know what I was no, making. No, no, no. Tell me you don't mix them up. Do not. I mix oh, them up. Oh, Ditch. We used to be friends. Favorite leisure activity? Uh, favorite for me, uh, lead for honestly, going to Saints games. Okay. Yeah, and it's my, it's my thing. To, favorite way to treat yourself? Going to Saints games. Yeah, exactly. That's All right, it. Simone, you got your list? Yes, I'm still laughing at the jeans on the floor. <laughs> being your petty pet peeve that's the best thing i've ever heard so this is called battle of the brands and i'll name a couple of major competing bands brands and you're gonna pick between the two okay nike or adidas uh adidas lately because i don't know i just that's tough but adidas if you looked in my closet now if you looked at the rotation shoes that i wear often adidas i'm wearing adidas right now so adidas for sure coke coke or pepsi coke Sorry, Pepsi. East Coast or West Coast? West Coast, all day. Beat or Bose? Bose, so much more science in the sound. Nice. I know they answered this one. BMW or Mercedes? BMW, all day, every day. Billy's Boudin or Best Stop? Ooh, plot twist. Guess who doesn't eat Boudin? <gasps> But, no. but, but, but Best Stop brings Boudin. Like, I, I know Best Stop. Like, I, I don't, I can eat it. And, like, I've tried it and had it. And, you know, Best Stop, Best Stop kind of kills, man. And, they, they, and it's the Boudin that I have the most. So, no disrespect, Billy's. I see the line. I know you guys got it. Uh, with or without my endorsement. Uh, but Best Stop for sure. 
And this is the last one, Popeyes or Chick-fil-A? Popeyes. Sorry, Chick-fil-A. Y'all are awesome, but you just got to go with what you know. Shout out to the Popeyes Buffet. That's right. The only one in the world. Right here. Thank you very much. Thank you, Simone. And we appreciate you being a part of it this time. Okay, we're going to conclude with the Actors Studio questions. Um, This is from James Lipton, who took it from Bernard. Um, And so your favorite word. Amazing. Least favorite. Uh, literally. <laughs> that is literally true. Uh, what turns you on? Music. What turns you off? Negative people. Sound or noise that you love the most? Waves. Sound or noise that you hate the most? Negative people. Favorite curse word? Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, probably if I, I always said, if I didn't do this, I would be in education. Um, and, and more lately than ever, uh, some sort of leadership role being a lot more hands-on with my business, maybe business management. But I also think that life is life management, business management. Is that really a thing? I don't know. Uh, but I definitely, I love the idea of education. Uh, in any capacity to actually kind of help the greater good, you know, the greater community, to be honest with you, especially are you. What so, uh, profession would you not like to do? Work offshore, man. They're stressed all the time. Like it's hard work. Seriously, it is hard work. And I think it's just so volatile. Uh, but, you know, that just popped into my mind. But um, you know what? My, my real answer, Jackie, is anything that I don't love, anything that like I go in, no matter how much the money is, I just hate what I do. Anything that I would just be doing for the money. Right. And last but not least, when you arrive at heaven, what do you want God to say to you at the pearly gates? Not bad, dude. Good. DJ Digital, thank you. I appreciate you spending this time with us. It's been a great hour. Um, I think everybody enjoyed it. I appreciate you and all that you do for Acadiana and for downtown and for all of us and keeping us in the music. Awesome. Keep up the good work and I'll see everybody soon. Thank you very much. And everybody who tuned in, we really appreciate you taking the time with us. And uh, be sure to come back on Wednesday. We're going to be interviewing Bradley, who is getting ready to open Handy Stop Grocery downtown. And we'll talk about what it's like to open a store in the middle of a pandemic and the challenges that that has uh, involved with him. But he's close, y'all. He's real close to bringing grocery store right into our little food desert. So thank you all very much. And we'll see you in a couple days. Well, the day is-